do this. Let's talk about talk. Hey there, I'm Dr. Andrea Wojnicki. You can call me Andrea. Welcome to Talk About Talk, the communication-focused podcast that provides us with the knowledge, strategies, and confidence to enrich our relationships and enhance our career success. This week, we're talking fonts. So much of what we communicate these days is through a keyboard, right? So yes, fonts matter. I was thinking that, in a way, fonts are like colors. They are powerful communicators, but it's usually implicit. If you want to learn more about communicating with color, you can check out Talk About Talk episode number 10. Today, I'm going to take you through some background on fonts and definitions. Then, I'm going to introduce you to Patrick Griffin, our guest expert. And last, I will summarize with the key points that Patrick shares, including some specific things to think about when you're creating a written document. For this episode in particular, I recommend that you go to the show notes on the Talk About Talk website under the podcast tab. If you scroll way down on the page, the show notes and transcripts for all the episodes are listed there as PDF documents. As I said, this episode in particular might be a good one for you to check out the show notes for since we're talking fonts. I will visually show you the fonts in the show notes document. Okay, let's do this. As usual, I've done some research and I want to start with definitions. Personally, I've been using Helvetica a lot, so let's start there. Helvetica is a font family. Within the font family, you can vary the size, the weight, like say bold or italic, the spacing, and the color. But you could call Helvetica a font, or you could call Helvetica condensed bold 12 point a font. I was wondering, what's the difference between a font and a typeface? I found a great Fast Company article that talks about exactly that, and I'll leave a link to that in the show notes. The article says, a font is what you use, a typeface is what you see. It's related back to the day when typing was done with metal imprints. Based on my research, I concluded two things. One, technically speaking, the term font is more general, like Helvetica or Arial or Times New Roman. Typeface is more specific, like Helvetica Bold 32 point which, by the way, is what I use for the headings in my blog. And the second point about fonts and typefaces is that most people, even font nerds, consider the term synonymous. You can say fonts or you can say typefaces. But more and more people seem to be using the term fonts. Next definition, serifs. Serifs are the tiny feet-like thing on fonts. The little tail on the edges of letters. Do you know what I'm talking about? When we learn to print in school, there are definitely no serifs. Serifs are ornamental. They may seem a little bit old-fashioned, traditional, or conservative. Times New Roman is a very common serif font. There are actually four kinds or families of serif fonts. There's old style, transitional, modern, and slab serif. The old style looks like it's written with a flat nibbed or a calligraphy pen. The vertical lines are thick, and the horizontal lines are thin. As you move through from old style to transitional to modern and then to slab serif, the distinction between the width of the horizontal and vertical lines and even the serifs is less evident. Then there are the non-serif or sans-serif fonts. Sans-serif means no feet on the letters. Sans-serif fonts include grotesque, 
neo-grotesque, humanist, and geometric. Nice names, right? You'll hear Patrick Griffin mention and describe the old-fashioned grotesques. Neo-grotesque are slightly more modern. Think Arial and Helvetica. Humanist fonts look a little bit more like human printing. Geometric sans-serif fonts are based on shapes. Think Futura. Okay, so these categories of fonts are helpful. But my big question is, what is most legible? Serif or sans-serif? Which is easier to read? Well, the answer is that this may vary by person. It depends on what you're used to. Here's what I concluded. The serif fonts are sometimes preferred by older people simply because they're used to them. But the sans-serif fonts are generally more legible. They're cleaner. That's good to know. Here's something else that's good to know. If you're creating a written document, you might wonder how many fonts you should use. Here are two things you should consider. First, never ever under any circumstance use more than two fonts. You can use one or you can use two fonts in a document, but never more than two. And the second point is, if you're using two fonts, it's generally advised that you make one a serif and one a sans serif font. Got it? That's pretty easy. It also makes me rethink my blog design. Hmm. Okay, let me introduce the expert, Patrick Griffin. Patrick Griffin is known as the font guy. Seriously, that is what his license plate says. He is obsessed with fonts and he knows so much. When we were chatting, he kept pointing at and commenting about letters. For example, on the pad of paper that was sitting on the table. You'll see in a minute. Patrick told me that he can identify most of the 400,000-ish fonts, and he's so passionate. You might even hear him pounding the table during the interview. Patrick is a founding partner and type director of Canada Type, a Toronto font development studio. He spends his professional time designing type, teaching about type, writing about type, or helping others with type. His leisure time is spent traveling and visiting traditional press shops, ways gooses, by the way, are publishing festivals, and yes, I had to look that up, bookstores, music stores, and blues shows. He's also a musician and a very fun guy. When Patrick and I sat down, he gave me a beautiful book with many of the fonts that he's designed over the years. He also gave me his business card. I'm really curious to see what fonts are on the business card. It's very clean looking. Thank you so much, Patrick, for being here. Pleasure. So let's start, if you don't mind, by talking about the font industry. Okay, let's start with what I do. I make fonts on demand. I make fonts for retail. I make fonts. I, I just make fonts. I'd be considered a font developer. Okay. And I've been doing this for about 19 years now. How I'm, many fonts do you think you've designed or developed? I stopped counting years ago. It's, it's quite a few. So who are you designing or developing these font families Four. I do fonts for banks, I do fonts for publishers, I do fonts for uh, the, the five major movie studios are like constant customers of mine. Really? Yeah. Because I assume that graphic designers or maybe designers of packaging, for, for example, for consumer packaged goods or who are creating labels or maybe even who are designing brand logos would be coming to you. So those, those come to me as well. Yeah. So you can own a font. Absolutely. I think I know the answer. A lot of, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people, uh, yeah, they pay good, good money to own a font for a simple reason is that if they own it, they can do whatever the hell they want with it. 
and that's one good way to stand out. So if I have a font on my business card, it's actually a Leslie Gabardo font. Okay, I know the guy who designed it. So does so so can, can I use it? I mean, this is probably going to be edited out, but I'm this, curious. This font is uh, published was originally published by uh, a company called Font Bureau based in Boston. You can tell just by looking at it instantly. Yeah, the shapes are very, very distinct, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's like there are people who are so into cars that they can tell, you know, tell which car it is, you know, half a mile down the road. Right, right? okay. It's coming towards them. I'm the same way with font. Actually, when I grew up, I had two local heroes in Toronto, and they were both type designers. Really? Yeah. Uh, I'm very good friends with them now. I grew up, uh, basically, uh, I was fascinated by the fact that, you know, these guys, they just get to draw letters for a living. Yeah. This is amazing. It is right? fascinating. I agree. Um uh, do you think of it as art? Do you think of yourself as an artist? Not really. I, I do. I, I'm, I'm a functionality guy. I make tools for people to, uh, uh, I guess, to have an easier time with their projects. To communicate? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, that's what I do. I, I, I make communication tools. That's also why you're here. First and foremost, they are communication tools. Fonts, right? I mean, uh, there's a lot of history. It dates back. The moment we invented the alphabet and the moment we decided to reshape the alphabet, we have, in effect, decided that we want to change the way we communicate. <laughs> and they're everywhere. So They know. are everywhere. Yeah, they're everywhere. Imagine. Actually, something very interesting. In Sweden, seven or eight years ago, one day, Stockholm woke up and their main street, all the signs did not have anything on them. The signs were all blank. One of their main streets. But that turned out to be some sort of stunt that to, to, to tell people that, okay, we are eliminating communication. Try to live with that. Like even the street signs, they didn't have anything on them. To, to prove a point? And yeah, sure enough. Everybody who was walking on that street was very, very disoriented. Right? They, they were walking into a shop and they were not sure if this is the shop that they actually go to every day. And when the language on the sign disappeared, when the fonts on the sign disappeared, mm. when the words disappeared, and the sign was like, it was always yellow, but now it's just yellow with nothing on it. Right. Uh, it kind of it threw them off I can't bit, imagine. Right? That sounds like the scene in a movie, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was pretty freaky. And I, it actually makes me feel anxious to think about that. I imagine walking down a familiar street yeah. and being completely disoriented. Wow. What are the fonts that work or don't work? At the uh, University of Montreal in 2011 and this uh, one guy uh, Frederick Gosling uh, he went through 10,000 people trying to figure out what fonts would work better on a sign and he came up with the weirdest thing Hmm. that slab serifs are the most efficient it has these the serifs at the bottom they're really long and thick and they're actually slabs they don't have any uh, uh, refinement or anything it's just a slab I thought it was smart just knowing what a serif was, but now there's slab. Now there are different kinds of serifs. So we had, the slab is um, with right angles, right? And then if they're at non-right angles, like triangles, for example, it's the... the wedge serif. Wedge serif, and then the rounded serif. Well, the rounded, uh, we call that old style serif. It's like the old uh, Garamond serifs and... My learning curve is then, almost then, vertical. Then you have, yeah, and then you have, uh, you have the modern serifs, and that's, that's kind of very, like, you have your... Uh, the stem of the eye, which is like the trunk of the tree. Right? Yep. And then you have the serifs are very, very thin. And what are those called? The modern serifs. Modern serifs. Okay. The reason they call them modern is because uh, the contrast. The higher the contrast, the more modern it is. So, talk to me about cursive. 
It's just calligraphy. Should we continue teaching kids to write cursive in school? Uh, you know, in Finland, they, they pretty much did away with pens altogether. Now kids, when they go to school, they just learn keyboards. Mm. They work the, the, with the uh, trackpads, with the mouse, with the keyboards, and that's it, right? The, this, is, this is a recent development, like three years ago. Yeah. Now, kids growing up in Finland now, in about 10 years, 20 years, you're going you're gonna to ask them, you know, uh, do you have a pen? Like, I've never had a pen in my life. Wow. Or I don't know what a pen is. Or, oh, a pen, you mean that, that old thing that they used to... As the world is shifting away from handwriting, mm-hmm. whatever it may be, asking someone for their phone number, writing a grocery list, whatever... And towards doing everything on their phone, on their laptop, they're typing more, they're using fonts. And I guess the the cursive fonts aren't going away, though, are they? Are they becoming less popular? Not really. We call those scripts, right? It's been kind of gaining a bit of a revival recently, over the past, I don't know, 10 years or so, uh, with the the whole... uh, uh, rise of the you know buy local and uh, organic and all that stuff right people try to step back a bit from everything that has to do with the machine uh. and do human stuff crafty stuff right uh. this is why when you go to starbucks you don't see uh, a machine you don't see a screen out there you see a, a board with some doodles on it you see the a sign standing outside and yep. it's got some handwriting on it very carefully done handwriting right some some of the stuff is beautiful you yeah know, I, I stop and take pictures of that the problem with scripts is that sometimes you can get carried away mm-hmm. uh you start using the really high-end script with all the swashes and all the uh and then suddenly it's not personal it just seems like you hired a, a million dollar calligrapher to do this yeah. i just thought of this example in my wedding invitation my husband's name is john mm-hmm. his christened name is jan so on the wedding invitation, it says Jan, and it was in such stylized script that the Jan really read as Ian. And we received several checks as wedding gifts written to Ian and Andrea. See, yeah, when, 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 when the wrong fonts start hitting you in your pocket, the banker has to tell you, hey, you know, this is not you, right? That's a problem. Yeah, that was a problem. It hit me right in the pocket. That's funny. I hadn't thought of that about that for years, but it was... It was because we chose a font where the J looked like an I. Sure. You can imagine that, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's very common, actually. So let's get into some nitty gritty in terms of prescribing or suggesting to people what fonts may be more or less legible, more or less appropriate. Is there a difference in how various fonts are perceived by readers? It depends on what we grew up with. Mm. It depends on the person and what they grew up with. Mm. Uh, you might think Times Roman is an old-style font. It's not. When Times Roman came out, it was the summit of modernism. We took the old style and made it new style, really. Mm. So they call it Times New Roman, dating back to the Roman days, right? So this is the new Roman. And Times was because it was done made for Times Magazine. For the record, I thought of uh, Times New Roman as the generic font. I think of it as generic, and that might be my age. Well, it has become generic because it ships with so many, uh, uh, so much software now. I mean, it was the standard font and uh, default font in Windows for the longest mm. time, and this was back in the in the nineties. So it's so. Times New Roman, as in the Times newspaper, and then New, as in the modern version of uh, Roman. Roman lettering. Yeah. To this day, if you talk to somebody who's seventy or eighty years old, and you uh, you ask them what they think of uh, you know revolutionary typefaces or something like this, they might bring up Times Roman. 
And you say, oh, this is a very modern typeface. One of the questions I wanted to ask you, though, is, is also about trends in fonts. Well, trends in fonts are very, very fickle now, very fleeting, right? And it also, again, it also depends on who you talk to and what they grew up with. If you're talking to a designer who grew up, uh, I don't know, uh, going to rave, they're going to be partial to sans serif fonts. They're going to be partial to techno fonts. They're going to be partial to, uh, to fonts that are really hard to read. Right. Uh, or fonts that are really clean. I mean, if you talk to somebody who grew up reading a lot, then they're going to like serif fonts. There is a, a perception of what a font does and all that. But that perception varies from one person to another. So last night, my son was creating a poster for a really important school project. Mm -hmm. And I suggested to him that the font may matter. Fonts always matter. I think the fact that fonts are not on people's radar these days, um, not as much as they used to. Really? Professionals, anyway. It has something to do with the lot of fonts that we have out there. When when I click on the fonts, because I am interested in fonts and and optimizing my communication effectiveness... Mm -hmm. I click on the font thing in, in whatever program I'm in on my laptop, and all these fonts. And there's come about down, 700 and, fonts that you look at, you, and you grow, realize the that you're gonna. keeps growing. It's actually overwhelming. It's like decision uh, fatigue. I have, I have an interesting anecdote for you regarding that, and I really don't want to spend 15 minutes on this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick uh, something from that first scroll on the menu. So between fonts that start from A to maybe C or D or something like that, right? Yeah. So you end up using Calibri, you end up using Comic Sans, you end up using Arial. Arial yeah. is so common because of that, because it starts with A. But, uh, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. This is that. So, uh, uh, you know, if any font designers or people trying to sell fonts are listening to this, uh, my advice, name your font something with A. Wow. <laughs> Shouldn't they be categorizing them? It's, it's becoming a, a bit of an interface issue. Right. Like, it is uh, an interface issue. I, it used to be about 100 fonts or 100 families shipped with the operating system. Yeah. And then whatever software you bought, say you bought Photoshop, then you got 150 more families. Uh, but this was still limited. Like, I mean, you get about 400, 500 fonts. You can manage that. Okay. Uh, but then you start talking about 20,000 fonts, 30,000 fonts. That's mm-hmm. it's a mess, right? You need some sort of uh, filter. The problem with that stuff is whoever's working on these things, they're usually not type designers and they're usually not very well versed with type history and so these categories you know you end up with categories like well ironic yeah that's not a category right like you know or or cowboy font or something like this like this comes down Mm -hmm. to why fonts are in such a uh, i guess sad state of affairs these days you think fonts are in a sad state of affairs i think so yeah i think there's too many of them and there's too many amateurish fonts out there that that people are using for important stuff Hmm. um Okay, you're a good designer, but typography could could turn your design into could turn you into an excellent designer right. versus a good designer. You know, right? It's a really important element of graphic design. Look at your uh, I don't know the the coffee can that you buy. It's yeah. full of typography. Yeah. Look at the screen that you open on your phone. It's full of typography. Right. You know, if that stuff is not done very well, then it affects sales of that particular product, right? right? So you even know. even on the device itself, if you turn your phone yeah, absolutely. upside yeah, down yeah. on the back, there are words and fonts sure, on the yeah. back that are implicitly communicating yeah. something about the brand. Absolutely. So you use the word amateurish fonts, and I can't imagine, honestly, other than maybe being inconsistent, I can't imagine what an amateurish font is, but most people that are listening to this podcast are not designers, but they are professionals who are communicating things with fonts, whether they're a real estate agent who's got a pad of paper or a business card or whatever. So do you have any guidelines or advice about 
how to present yourself in a professional as opposed to an amateur way using fonts? I think there are two most important things about choosing fonts. Yes. The first thing is you have to know the project that you're working with inside out. And then you have to translate that knowledge into adjectives. Okay. Right? And then, so it's almost like writing a creative then, brief. Yeah. And then take those adjectives and find a font that fits them. Okay. Right? And just as important, you have to take yourself out of the equation. You have to remain objective. This is about the project. This is not about you. Okay? I don't care if you like Helvetica. If it doesn't fit your project, don't use it. I don't care if you love Futura. If it doesn't fit your project, don't use it. And stay away from system fonts. What Same, is a system font? A font that ships with the, with the operating system. Like, uh, you know, Arial comes with Windows. That's how you know about it. Comic Sans comes with Windows. That's how you know about it. Georgia, Verdana, Tahoma. Why know. should I stay away from those? Because people are familiar with them. They're familiar with them, but I'm going to give you a funny story here. So my kid, uh, he was going to, like, I think grade four. And one day, uh, we get a letter uh, from the school about uh, a school bus that went in a ditch in Markham. Okay, uh, they, they sent that letter to everybody, all the parents, right? It was a horrible thing. Like, you know, it's a bus full of kids. It fell in a ditch, right? Uh, all the kids were okay, and that's what the letter was saying. And the letter was set in Comic Sans. Which looks very unprofessional. Well, Comic Sans, you know, Comic Sans was made for comic book bubbles, but it's a teacher favorite. It's a fun font, and it's a great comic font. But and it may be great in the classroom when they're trying yeah, to engage the students. but don't use it on people's obituaries, you know, or stuff like this, right? It's it's crazy, right? Anyhow, so uh, I actually went to the school and, and yelled at the teacher. <laughs> you know, like, my kid was not on this bus, but look, you know, if anybody, <laughs> anyhow. Uh, so, so when the, the font- reason I'm saying stay away from system fonts is because they are used too much, and you know, you, you say people are familiar with them. You know what familiarity brings? Passivity, meaningless, lack of attention, meaningless. It, right. They just stop meaning anything, right? The, those fonts stop meaning anything. You know. So, so let me let me ask you if this makes sense. If you're taking the time to choose a font, given the understanding that the font can help establish whatever your communication objective is. Mm-hmm. Okay, but this kind of goes back to your, uh, to your question about trends. And, you know, speaking of the adjectives, you know, uh, when somebody comes to me and they say they want a custom font, these companies, bank, whatever, they come to me and they say, I want a custom font. I go, okay, what do you want that font to be? What do you want those, you know, what, what kind of feeling do you want that? If they say, I don't know, then I take the cue and I start asking them specific questions. Who is your target audience for this font. So for That's, example, if they've created a document that is a proposal to win a business, they, mm-hmm. they're, they're pitching on something. So I want it to look professional and my target is the 55-year-old vice president who's got the decision to make of whether or not he hires me, right? What are you trying to tell this 55-year-old vice president? That uh, who are you, right? I have experience, I'm dependable. Yeah. Experience automatically puts it in a serif category and takes it back. Uh, uh, dependable, you, you want something that's done centuries ago. Okay. That's, you know, that's epic. That's what if I wanted to say that I'm strong, innovative, I'm a creative thinker? Um, then you might, you might want to use like a humanist sans serif. See, that's the thing. The sans serif now, uh, thanks to, I guess, corporate culture and advertising and branding from the 70s and on, now 
the only thing you see out there is sans serif everywhere you go, even on your screen. And with the real estate uh, squeeze, boom, serifs are ornamental. So there is no room for that stuff on small screens. And you want... People use sans serif now because clean. Clean. It's minimal. And, well, the other thing is... When you look at the letters, don't just look at the letters, look at the space around the letters. When you use a sans serif, suddenly everything seems airy and stuff like that. Mm. When was the last time you saw a, a, a new condo development being uh, or using a, a serif font or an old style font to, to pitch themselves? Never. Or even a modern serif. You know, what do real estate people sell these days? They sell really, really tiny places by making them look bigger, right? And how do you make something look bigger? You put a lot of space in it. And that's mm. sans serif. You know, there's a lot of space in there, right? It's so, yeah. so I love this. If, if a real estate agent is trying to communicate implicitly that they are going to sell you something that maybe is bigger than it seems, they would use an airy font. So airy oh, everything they use, they use white paint in the rooms, right? right? They use a lot of mirrors to make right. things look bigger, right? That's, and it's the same thing with a font, you know, whatever, whatever you're doing to your other design elements, pick a font that you can do the exact same things with. So something that, uh, an adjective that I think a lot of people are trying to ensure is clearly communicated is trustworthiness. Trustworthiness is, is a bit of a double-edged sword here because do you trust the machine? Do you trust the human being? Do you trust the machine more than a human being? Do you trust the human being more than a machine? And mm. your target audience, what's their take on this? Right? And it's going to be different. Right? Now, in a sans-serif world... You, can, you have the humanist sans. They're sans serif shapes. They're minimalist shapes based on calligraphy. Uh. Right? Based on the hand stroke. Uh, on, on the strokes that you do with a hand. And there's the machine sans serif, like, like the Helvetica. We call those the gothics or the grotesques. The grotesques. Yeah. It's, it's a name that dates back from when the, when the sans serif first came out. People looked at it and said, this is pretty grotesque. And the name stuck. Wow. Uh, when, now, would that, when would that have been? The 1800s. 1800s. Yeah. But now it's the prized style, right? Everybody wants a sans serif. Nobody wants anything else. But, I mean, you know, things happen with these categories, right? Black letter used to be the norm in Germany. What is a black letter typeface? You know, the, the typeface that you see on certificates? The, the really complicated German old-looking... Yeah. It's like, it looks like it's done with a calligraphy pen on an angle. Yeah. And okay. it's, yeah with it's, lots of tails. Yeah. Okay. Or, or, or this is actually, you know, like a heavy metal... Is all usually based on okay on, on black letters stuff. That's called black letters. Yeah. Black letter used to be the norm. People used to actually read entire books in that stuff. Right? right. Imagine that a ten point, really small, and and odds are, if you pick up a mass paperback these days, it still uses a serif font. Again, that's what we grew up with, and right. you know, uh, publishers don't want to take their chances on on uh, changing things. If you pick up an art book or a design book, then most likely you're going to end up with a sans serif font being used for the text. Why? Because you control the white That's space. White space right. is a big deal, right? You said it really depends. You really need to know your target your, sure. or the demographic Audience. that you're communicating to. Is there a table of if they are age 10 and under, this is the type of font? If they're in their 20s? Well, yeah, it depends. it depends on the product. It's not just like what you're doing is, okay, I have this light bulb that I want to sell. I want to package it. But I don't want to sell a light bulb. I want to sell happiness. Fonts. Happy fonts are bouncy. Happy fonts are bubbly. Happy fonts are soft. Right? Uh, uh, Let sure. me ask you about emojis. Perfect segue to emojis. What do you think about emojis? Emojis are just an evolution of what 
we used to call dingbats. Remember dingbats? Oh yeah. Right. Remember wing dings and, <gasps> and uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Zaf dingbats. You know, yeah. and uh, there's actually there's actually a, a technical term called an encoding. It's actually a map of Zaf dingbats that you can emulate in, in font editors and in type design programs, right? Yeah, but that's what emojis are. They're they're basically dingbats that uh, that we use, you know, much more frequently now in texting. Right. Well, this is this is something that I'm really really interested in. So, yeah. and emojis. Uh, what's interesting about your question is that uh, it hits the mark because the the body that controls or, or uh, regulates the character set that people work with all over the world uh, it's called the Unicode. Yep. The Unicode Consortium. Now they're assigning entire blocks for nothing but emojis. Like uh, blocks are like cell blocks. The Unicode Consortium, that that regulation bodies, yep. they are treating emojis exactly the same way that they're treating other languages or other scripts. For example, you know. So it's a language in and of itself. Well, that's what those guys are thinking. I don't see it. But Fascinating. Yeah. See, I wouldn't have learned that if I hadn't asked you that. Yeah. Anyhow, it sounds like they have a lot of power. They they have they can basically censor. Actually, they they used to have a lot of power back in the nineties. Now they're just basically uh, bought and sold by the Googles and the Apples of the world. Right? Really? Yeah. I mean, those those are the guys who assign emojis, and uh, it was uh, it was a bit of a thing. Uh, look, with fonts, the way we know them, we're talking about an alphabet. Okay, I mean, it could have different shapes and different scripts. Like in, in Russia, the alphabet is different. In Greece, the alphabet is different from ours and all that. But it's still an alphabet. And there's only so many ways you can draw an A before it, it turns into a Salvador Dali thing. But with emojis, you know, you're not dealing with alphabets. You're dealing with images. So putting them in, in, in this net of standards... It's impossible, actually. Yeah. Again, you know, to answer your question, emojis are just... Are just Think bats that that grew up and and became really annoying. That's <laughs> <laughs> they're annoying and they're also funny. I think they're funny. Well, some anyway. some are. Yeah, there was this contest uh, about two years ago, where uh, I think some company yeah. had a contest. If you can write an entire letter in emojis and we can read it hmm. in entirety. Uh, uh, without problems, then we'll give you some money. Or yeah, win there's a prize. Or yeah. Nobody won anything because it was it was impossible. It's not an alphabet, right? So, hmm. yeah. I'm going to go back to one question you asked earlier and I didn't answer. Um, how many fonts is too much? If, you, if you're using a document that uses more than two fonts, one for headlines or one for, uh, and one for text, then you're probably doing something wrong. Yeah. Clear communication. You can't. You can't change horses on people all the time. Like uh, you know, within. You know, nice you, metaphor. What you're trying to do with most messages of, of considerable length, you're trying to get people to the point, where they're actually reading immersively, right? When you send the resume out, you want people to be immersed in it. Right. Right. You, you put five or six fonts in there, you know, the, the, they're, just, they're just jumping from one REM to another. So uh, that doesn't, that's ineffective. So, wow, that is, I think that's a really critical point. If I'm consciously and strategically choosing a font, mm-hmm. my first objective should be to engage the reader. Absolutely. Right? And then to communicate the right things, but then at the same time, not doing it in a way where they're thinking about the font. It should be where 
the font is complementing their interpretation. There's another mistake that people make uh, when they're choosing fonts. Common wisdom in this in, this, uh, in the typography uh, field is if a font calls attention to itself, it failed its job. Fonts are supposed to be transparent. Fonts are supposed to be the servants of the content. Choosing a font, it means you are actually, in effect, uh, uh, deciding on a form thing. But that form should always serve the content, right? And uh, people get carried away with the font thing. Oh, look, that A is so beautiful, I wanna choose it. But then they have a, another thing about choosing fonts. Don't fall in love with a single letter. You get to test a font or look at a font in its entirety. The A may be beautiful, but you put it beside the Q and it looks like <laughs> Never judge a font from A, B, C, D, E. You know, look at it in a paragraph. Uh, if you're having a problem choosing between three fonts, then you have three paragraphs on the screen. Just set each paragraph in a different font and, and see what kind of vibe you're getting from them. Look, every time you go to, I don't know, Dairy Queen or any of those uh, ice cream places. Oh, Dairy Queen, I'm, I'm plugging my client now. And those huge billboards, look at the letters there. Look at what they're trying to do. They're trying to actually make the letters look like ice cream. And, it's a uh, delicious yeah. font. And it's always soft. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of wavy. There's no hard edges. Yeah. And that's just, that's just one industry. And that kind of design is called, it's, it's part of the Art Nouveau uh, uh, aesthetic, right? Where things are soft and, and no, hardly any corners there. Hmm. But still, you're dealing with an alphabet. So letters have to have the same DNA going all over. Now, imagine Dairy Queen selling their products using Helvetica and right. all the Swiss design. Right. That would never work. It's inconsistent that and it's just a waste. Work. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the, there is such a thing as packaging your product with the wrong font and that is actually more common than you think. What are some other brands that you think do a great job of it? The really good ones are the ones that actually, you know, you look at a brand that lasted a long time with the same aesthetic without changing. That means they did a good job. So I'm thinking of Nike and Nike has a couple different versions. I can imagine there's one where it's all caps and it's italicized, and then there's one where it's a small I-K-E. It's interesting because it's almost every year they change their typography around that swoosh, and yeah. it depends on the trends. It depends on, uh. Uh, in the 90s, they went grunge. Like, you could, you know, they're selling the cleanest shoes ever, but they went grunge. They started using grunge typography. And What's grunge typography? It's exactly what it sounds like. It's, it's really messy stuff. Huh. Uh, it's like distressed typography, uh, you know, faded out letters, uh, letters doubled up on each other. See what happened <laughs> in the nineties? No, in the nineties, there was this grunge thing going on, and it, and it was around the time when font editors became affordable to the general public. Uh. And so you had all these students taking existing fonts and just destroying the hell out of them with Photoshop filters and all that stuff, right? And then putting them some, for sale somewhere or for download somewhere and all that. And there was this big boom, and it was around the same time that pixel fonts were happening. It was around the same time when Xerox. I was just thinking back to the Nike brand logo with the word Nike. It's capitalized and italicized, I think. But I'm interested in the capitalized. So, so we've all heard that, that capitals means you're yelling. And some people, they'll start typing in caps, and then they'll go, oops, sorry for yelling. And then they go down to... Yeah, that's that's uh, actually, well, on, on screen, when you're texting and stuff like this, yeah... But it's just, another, it's just another means of emphasis, really. The caps are just a different aesthetic, right? Why do people consider it yelling? Well, it's bigger. Well, if you make the font bolder, are you yelling as well? 
I'm curious. If you're texting, then it's hard to italicize or bold or something like this. So if you want to emphasize something, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a big deal to just mm-hmm. one word and you know, or two words or something like that. But if you if you type an entire text in in, uh, in caps, then I guess you're you're giving people their cue uh, to 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 ask you: Is your caps lock on or or, or are you yelling? Yeah. Like Trump was asked with that famous tweet that he sent out. Are there any differences in your advice or observations in terms of fonts that are on a printed page versus on a screen? Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, certainly the case. The medium is not only the message. The medium dictates how the message is wrapped. Ah. And that affects the fonts as well, right? When you turn on your phone, the fonts, all the fonts that you see, that you see are... Like right off the bat, they're all sans serif fonts. Why is that? It's because the screen is small and they cannot afford any room for ornamentation. Right. They want to deliver the message fast and transparently. Yeah, so it depends. If I'm reading a novel by Stephen King or somebody, right, and the font is a sans serif font, then I would have a problem. It seems inconsistent. Right. Uh, so it, it absolutely depends on the media. Okay. Uh, things are done on the screen very differently from... And to this day, you know, look, we've had about 500 years to perfect design and layout on paper. The internet's only about, what is it, 30 years old now, 35 years old, right? We haven't had time to figure it out yet. It's still very inconsistent. And the, uh, the thing with the internet, though, is that now everybody's on the internet, so anybody and his grandfather is a designer. They slap a few things together without having any idea what they're doing and uh, it's on the web. And you know what? It might become famous because look, people in the design industry are have, have a vested interest in, in telling you that design is important. What they don't have a vested interest in telling you is that sometimes it's not. People can become successful without good design, hmm. right? Uh, same thing applies to a lot of sure, contexts, yeah. right? Like photographers, all of a sudden everyone's a photographer. Sure, yeah, because, yeah, well, I've got six cameras in this thing, right? So, you know, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of font designers out there who actually honestly believe that they're artists and they treat themselves like artists. They actually behave like artists. They're really cranky, really, you know. Uh, I'm not like that. I, I, I think of myself as a guy who makes lawnmowers, you know, make something that people really. Use. So yeah. you're like manufacturing something as opposed to yeah, because designing. It's, it's, it's functionality. I noticed that you called yourself a developer, not a designer, and I was expecting, anticipating that you would call yourself a designer. Oh well, my, uh, you know, my my title is type designer, right? But again, you know, with me, I just like to keep my head down, do the work, and you know, go hang out with the family or watch a movie or something. You know? If you're obviously obsessed with fonts and fascinated yeah, it's, by fonts it's, it's what i like to do well i notice fonts everywhere and there's something in the back of my mind whenever i'm outside with somebody i'm always aware of which fonts they're looking at and and their you know bodily mm. reactions to to, to to what they see and and uh, when when i'm walking around with my kid walking downtown you know shopping or something like this i look at the things that he's attracted to to buy and I try to process them first in, in, in terms of influences or why does he like this thing. And then sometimes I find myself thinking, well, you know what? This font that they're using on the packaging must have had something to do with this. That's why they call you the font guy. I'm, I'm, I'm really fortunate. I'm, I'm doing something I like to do, which not a lot of people can claim. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, he's wearing a black t-shirt that has Helvetica 
written across his chest in what looks like a Metallica font. It's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to take a photo for sure. You know, I like doing it. I make fonts because I want to see them used. I want people to use them. And I, I'm very proud when I see a font used. When I'm driving down the 401 and I see my font on a, on a, on a billboard, I, I'm like, yay, you know, I'm a happy guy, right? Uh, I can imagine. Yeah. When I go to the airport and I see their, my font used for their signage and all that stuff, I, I love it. Okay, I'm going to ask you the five rapid-fire questions now that I ask uh, every guest. Fire. Shoot. <laughs> Number one, what are your pet peeves? Yeah, too many to count. I, I don't like clutter. I don't like smartphone zombies. I, you know, I've got way too many to count pet peeves, but I, I try to be tolerant. Number two, what type of learner are you? Probably predominantly auditory. Really? I'd say 70%. The font guy is more auditory than visual? Yeah, but I'm, I'm also, I also play music and, and uh, you know, I've done that for a lot longer than, uh, so I'm a bit of both. I would say though, maybe 60, 40. Uh, number three, introvert or extrovert? I'm an extrovert when I have to be, when I'm around people, but I'm a thoughtful person and making fonts is actually a very relaxing. Like you, you get into a zone where it's very, very quiet and very- Do you think you get into a flow? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a very drony flow. Not everybody's cup of tea, but I like it. I'm an introvert then. If I go to a party, within, within about half an hour, 45 minutes, I'm, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't mind people's company and you know- I don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> That's and I think. I think people like being around me, so... <laughs> that's what they tell you? <laughs> they don't tell me, but I get, I get a vibe that they do, but, you know. That's funny. Okay, uh, number four. Communication preference for personal conversations. I, the first thing I do is pick up the phone. I'm, I'm old school that way. I, uh, I, I like email because you can actually attach stuff, and if you want to show somebody something, uh, like a photo or something like that, right? Like, you got to see this. Like, you can't exactly do that over the phone. I prefer hanging out in person uh, and the phone is kind of as close as you can get I stay away from social media because it's a, to me it's a time sink it's a real rabbit hole I've seen people just lose their entire basically years of their lives on it right okay last question is there a podcast or a blog or an email newsletter that you find yourself recommending the most I'm, I'm a tech nerd so I, I read Slashdot a lot Slashdot? And I've been reading it since the mid-90s, like since the internet was... What is it? It's, it's, a, it's a tech blog. Uh, it's, it's a tech nerd thing. Okay. Right? There's something called uh, type drawers. Type drawers? Yeah. So, yeah. Is there anything else you want the listeners to know about fonts? Is there anything in general that you wish people knew about fonts? I like type, and I, I think it's, it's a glorious history. It's a, it's a you know... A, Everything we know about fonts now is actually the evolution of a grand, beautiful craft that dates back centuries, mm -hmm. right? And uh, I think it's, it's magnificent, you know, magnificent in, in a Lord of the Rings kind of way, you know? And, uh, uh, but that's just me. If somebody wants a hobby, typography is a good thing to get into. Huh. You know. Uh, I thought I was interested in typography before I spoke with you, but now I'm definitely more interested. It's fascinating stuff. It right? is. Very cool. Thank you so much. I really learned a lot and, uh, and I had fun. I hope you did too. Okay, so I really didn't know what to expect, but Patrick is fabulous, isn't he? 
please, please check out his t-shirt and his license plate in the photos on the Talk About Talk website. Click on podcast and you'll find those images. Awesome. To summarize then, I asked Patrick, what are the most important considerations regarding fonts? And he answered with two things. The first is that you should think about the adjectives that describe the project or the takeaways of the document. Then find a font that embodies these adjectives. Second, you have to take yourself out of the equation. You have to remain objective. Do not use your favorite font. Hmm. There are three other important learnings from Patrick. They are, think of your audience, white space matters, and emojis. First, think of your audience. This is related to his comment about taking yourself out of the equation. Think about the audience for the document. What is their age? What are their preferences? Second, white space matters. Patrick was talking about how if you want to feel airy and vast, sans serif is better because there's more white space. So if you're trying to decide on a font for your document, don't just look at the black on the page, but look at the white space as well. And last, emojis. Isn't it fascinating that Unicode is trying to regulate emojis? When I asked Patrick what he thinks about emojis, he said, emojis are just dingbats that grew up and became really annoying. Hilarious. Let me leave you with my favorite Patrick Griffin quote from this episode. He said, If a font calls attention to itself, it failed its job. Fonts are supposed to be transparent. Fonts are supposed to be the servants of the content. I love that. Okay, that's it for now. I learned so much in this episode, and I hope you did too. Here's my question for you. What is your favorite font, and why? Personally, as I said, I love Helvetica, even though Patrick says we shouldn't use system fonts. What's your favorite? Email me now and let me know. I'm at andrea at talkabouttalk.com. One last thing. If you're not already signed up for the Talk About Talk email blog, you really are missing half the fun. Just go to talkabouttalk.com to sign up for the blog and to access all of the past blogs. That's it. Thanks again for listening and talk soon.